You're listening to the Table Church Sermon Podcast. We're in a series right now called World Upside Down, where we're looking at the book of Acts. 2,000 years ago, a movement began that completely changed our world. It started with a small, unremarkable group of people who had a remarkable message that Jesus is Lord of the entire world. So join us as we study the book of Acts and discover the message that turned the world upside down. And if you need anything at all, be sure to reach out to us at hello at tablechurchdsm.org, or you can check out our website, tablechurchdsm.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I'm Julie, and uh, we'll be reading out of Acts 5, 1 through 11 this morning. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his, wife's, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you, had, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Julie, thank you. All right, first, before we begin, um, just want to make sure there's a few things um, we, we are on the same page on. So, number one is, of course, Pastor Phil is in Zambia. So that means uh, either you are stuck with me or you're blessed to be with me. I don't know. You'll tell me at the end. Uh, but it's such a pleasure to be in front of you once again to share the message this morning. But number two is what we will share and what you've heard from the scriptures is a very difficult one. I have only given maybe a handful of uh, preachings or teachings, I should say, and this one was very difficult. But as I studied it, I found a few things that I think we can take away really well this morning. And I hope you find something out of that. And so last but not least, for those of you who love note-taking, unfortunately, you will not see anything above the screen. Because it took me up until yesterday to f have a good version that I felt I was comfortable with. So... Please listen and let's dive in together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me this opportunity to be in front of 
Table Church. I pray that this morning uh, you can use me merely as a vessel to communicate the words that you have. I pray that the Holy Spirit can come amongst us and that it can minister to our hearts. And that it's not be my words, but your words this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. For those who do not know me, my name is Moses Bomet. I am one of the missional directors here at Table Church. And I, as I said, I am blessed this morning to be able to give the teaching. See, when I was a child growing up in Africa, I loved to play with different things and create new things. You see, my parents from time to time would buy me some toys that I enjoyed deeply. Either a new remote control car or maybe a plane or something like this. But over time, like any other child, I got bored. I'd play with the toy and it'd become old news. Because mom and dad was not going to buy me a new one, I had to think of how can I be creative to enjoy this toy in a new way. So what did I do? I would dismantle the toys and try to come up with some new creation. More times than not, I failed. But that's a different story. But one of the things was, as I would make these creations, I needed energy, which all of them were powered by batteries. So one day I had this idea, these plans, and I looked. I needed quite a few AA batteries. Went into the house, started to trifle through the remote for the TV. I didn't get enough. Started wondering, where will I get more batteries? Then this thought came into my mind. Ooh, dad in his bedroom keeps extra batteries. So I go into his room, and unbeknownst to him, I took those batteries for my creations. A few moments later, I think it was maybe a day or so later, my dad was using the remote control and needed to put new batteries because those ones were not working. He goes to his bedroom, and he does not find the batteries where he left them. I, I will not forget, I, our house back in Kenya has a floor above. So it's a two-story house, and we have a big veranda, open area. And I'm in the veranda, and I can, my dad's room, my mom and dad's room is in the corner, so he's coming out of his room. I can hear him, and I can picture it because I know how the layout of the room is, the house is. And he's questioning my mom, have you seen the berries? My mom says, of course, No. He's moving along, asking each of my siblings, where are the batteries? And eventually, he gets to me. Moses, have you seen my batteries? At this moment, it was as if I could see these two figures. Eh? Well, on this side, it's like an angel-looking figure that's saying, man, come clean. On this other side, I'm like, Looking at this figure, probably not looking so good. Maybe it's the devil or Satan, I don't know, telling me, you should not come clean. And I was perplexed in that moment. I come clean, I get disciplined. I don't come clean, I have lied to my father. Which one will I do? Which one will I take? I eventually came clean. <laughs> but unfortunately, what followed was not so pleasant, huh? I was definitely disciplined as I deserved. But I can tell you up until today, 
have not stolen anything. See, in this story that I just shared and the story we read today of Ananias and Sapphira, there's actually some close, similar things that I think we can learn. As we look right in the beginning, in the first verse, it says, 5 verse 1, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also, that word, also sold a piece of property. Makes us ask the question, why also? Sounds like, was there something else before that? You move slowly to Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, starting with verse 32, it says this. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Okay, so they were unified in heart and mind, meaning they were together fully as one body, one entity, one community. And then there was no claim over anything. Meaning, this is not Moses's, and this is not Phil's. It is ours. Okay? And they supported each other to anyone who lacked. So if you didn't have enough, you were still taken care of. But now look at 36. The last verse, 36 and 37, before we come into chapter 5, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it in front of the apostles' feet. That, that's a verse right before this story beginning. It is very easy to miss this part and go to chapter 5. You see, Barnabas did the same exact thing as Ananias and Sapphira. In our church, here in Des Moines, and even globally, there are various kinds of people. You see, the church community has people from different nations, different tongues, different cultures, different socioeconomic classes. So there is a variety of people all over this world. But I believe if we wanted to boil it down, we could get to two kinds of people who are in the church. Those who are believers in the church. The reality, unfortunately, is very difficult to discern these two kinds of people. Ananias and Sapphira look just like Barnabas. What, what happened? They had land of, or they had property. They sold their property. They gave the proceeds. Looks just about the same between the stories. From first glance, we see that they're acting in the same way. But deep in the heart of Ananias and Sapphira was a stronghold for the love of money and seeking praise of other people. They conspired together to present a portion of their money while passing it off as the entire amount. This right here, church, is worlds apart from Barnabas. Barnabas had a property, sold the property, brought the proceeds to the apostles' feet. See, we may not be in the same situation as they did back then. 
Because for a moment, think about this. I'm not sure how many people are here, but let's say we've got about 100 people in our sanctuary today and even with the kids' ministry. What if 95 people went back home and five people didn't go back home? I think no sooner than Phil and the team making it back to the U.S. will table church cease to exist. You see, the point is that we may get away with this kind of life. However, we're only deceiving ourselves. Church, point number one, we can't deceive God. I repeat that again, we can't deceive God. It says in verse 3, then Peter said, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Once again, we need to travel a bit further back now to Acts 2 to look at what's happening here. Acts 2, 44 to 45 says, All the believers stayed together. They shared everything. They sold their land and things they owned. Then they divided the money and gave it to those people who needed it. As I looked at that and as I read that, Let's be honest, church. It sounds like the modern church, all of us, might be at fault if we compare ourselves to this church. As far as I know, I don't know of any church that all the members have sold all their things, all their properties, and brought it and divided it amongst the church community. In fact, as I thought even further, I said, this sounds like a utopian and a very unrealistic utopian society. However, if you can follow me, we miss the essence of this study if we focus on that. So let us understand in the context of their time and what was happening. It is important to understand the gravity of their sin to understand the harshness of their punishment. You see, Ananias and Sapphira were under no obligation to give all of the proceeds to the church. We misunderstand this point very big, in a big way when we read this. They were not under any obligation to give everything. The obligation was this. Because we considered us as one, as one community, as one church, all the property was no longer mine, but of the community. So even though this is under my name and I sell it, then financially, I need to say, I sold this for $20,000. I report to the church, I sold it for 20, not 18. It doesn't mean I'm giving church 20,000. You see that big difference between thinking it's, oh, all of it needs to, no, no, no. It is saying we need to be open and report accordingly. In other words, simply be honest. 
the real sin of Ananias and Sapphira was not withholding money, but the fact that they were lying to cover up what they had and not give all the money. It may be difficult for us as humans to distinguish between someone who's genuine and someone who's not, in the, even in the church. But here's the beauty of things. Nothing is hidden from God. Absolutely nothing. And if you doubt that statement, then we are lying to ourselves. The Holy Spirit knows all your thoughts as if they are being played in a loudspeaker or on a big billboard for all to see. That's the Holy Spirit of your life. So that is why despite fooling everyone else, Ananias and Sapphira were still found out. There are no locked doors or hidden closets with God. This reminds me a few weeks ago when Phil used this analogy of our lives being like a house. And that when Jesus comes into our lives, we give him the front porch. And then Jesus says, I want to come in. And then we give him the living room. And then he says, I want more. You give him the dining room. You give him the bedrooms. But you say, Jesus, this closet, nah, this one's mine. I don't let you in. That's what Ananias and Sapphira did. You have to have total surrender to Christ. And in Matthew 10, it says this. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak it in the light. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. This is Jesus telling the disciples. I wonder, do we believe this? Are we ready for this? Ananias and Sapphira knew this very well. But the love of money and being interested in the public praise mattered more. They forgot that the only true one who deserves all our praise. I can't see inside any of your hearts to discern if you are Barnabas or an Ananias. But the secrets of your heart are not secrets to God. When you proclaim with your lips, Jesus is Lord, as the Christians in Acts did, when you say he's a king of kings, when you say, as we sang, he's a king of my heart, but then you do not take the teachings closely to your heart. Don't deceive yourself thinking you have successfully tricked God. No. That brings me to the second point this morning. We can't hide from God. We can't hide from God. In verse 5, it says, When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. And then you move a little bit further. It goes to uh, verse 9. It says, Peter said to her, 
This is now to Sapphira. How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. Not everyone who lies gets struck down for their sin. And perhaps we should thank God for that. I know I have lied before. So why did this happen to Ananias and Sapphira? First, we need to understand their deaths, like many things in Acts, are a sign. And we need to ask ourselves, where is this sign pointing to? God takes something that is true in the kingdom of God and puts it on physical display here. You see, most often we see this through healing, through miracles, but it's equally true in judgment. God doesn't do this with everyone who lies to the Holy Spirit today, but that should not cover up the fact that this death is a picture of how God feels about lying. You, you see, God is so repulsed by sin, and in this specific sense, sin of lying, that if the outcome leads to death, it is a possible outcome. That's how far he wants to be from sin. Second, Ananias and Sapphira had seen the activity of the Holy Spirit so closely that the seriousness of their sin increased. Think about it this way. Like back in their time, in the temple, the closer you got to the holy place, the more significant is every blemish. It's like a light that is, been, that is helping expose darkness inside a house, I dare say, inside our own lives. Sin leads to death, and there's no question about that. You cannot spend more and more and more time with God without having conviction happen in your heart about things that are sinful. Listen to what it says in Colossians 3. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices and you've put on the new self which has been renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Renewed in the image of its creator who is God. God is not of lies. He's a God of truth. Now, here's something I found very ironic and eye-opening. Ananias' name means God is merciful. God is merciful. That means that we could potentially deduce that he was most likely around and a witness of Christ's death. Yet despite being recipients of this great grace, the love of money, the love of public praise superseded that. You see, he traded this grace for the money and the praise. 
I've been blessed in my life to be able to travel a variety of countries in this world. And every time I travel, there's something that can be difficult. And those who have gone outside the borders of the United States can relate to this. It's exchanging your money. Trying to understand how much is this $1 worth in euros. For me in Kenya shillings. You know, Ghana cedis, Tanzania shillings when I go to the different African countries. And sometimes it's so confusing and you don't understand how it's working or what it means. But I think of that as earthly currencies and perhaps there's a heavenly currency. The heavenly currency is actually very simple. It's very simple. The heavenly currency is this. I came to this world. I became a man. I traded my life for your life on the cross so that you can be saved and we can be reunited forever. We trade that for these earthly currencies I just told you about. It says in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If we are honest, we find God's actions here a little bit offensive. How is it fair that literally you lie and then you drop dead? You and your wife. Once again, I believe this reveals our ignorance about sin and God's holiness. We shouldn't ask the question, why did they die? Perhaps we should sit and wonder why do we live? We forget so quickly the lasting destruction of dishonesty and what it does in our lives. D dishonesty can destroy marriages, can destroy families, can destroy churches, relationships, and above all, it can destroy our witness of the gospel to the world. It hurts us, it hurts others, and it hurts God. So it's this simple church, if we're honest, even when we make mistakes, things can be made better. God is patient with us, slow to anger. But as one writer said, we forget this key point, that God's patience is designed to lead us to repentance and not to become bolder in our sin. In Ezekiel, it's written, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord. Rather, I am not pleased when they turn from their ways and live. If Jesus really went through the tormenting hell of the cross to redeem us, and we neglect that in pursuit of our sins, oh my what would happen when we stand in front of God? This brings me to the third point. Get close with God, but beware. Get close with God, but beware. 
Verse 11 says, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So we beg the question, what kind of fear is this? As I think about fear, my mind goes to the tyrants and the dictators who have lived on this earth. And the atrocities they've caused to millions of people. This fear is a little bit different than that one. See, in Hebrews it says, Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. I say again, our God is a consuming fire. For someone who doesn't understand the faith in God, the fear of God is this. So this is to an unbeliever. The fear of God is a fear of judgment. Eternal death, which means eternal separation forever. This is in fact quite the contrary to what I mean when I say God-fearing. If you hear someone says, are you a God-fearing person? A believer's fear of God is reverence of God. This reverence and awe are exactly what the fear of God means for Christians. This is the motivating factor for us to surrender to the creator of the universe. Yes, on this one side, he's our loving father, our Abba. But don't forget on this side, he is the creator of the universe. He is the king of all kings. The master of our lives. As we can expect, these dramatic events, the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira, it caused a great deal of fear, as it says, to the people in Acts. However, in spite of this fear, we read in 5.14, just a few verses forward, Acts 5.14, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. To be God-fearing is to worship. To be God-fearing is to worship. For those of us who are familiar with this idea of an intimately loving God, this can be a little bit difficult to see the side I'm talking about. But the thing is, He is both. You cannot just see Him as loving and not understand what he's calling us to do over here. So as the fear of God increases, so does our love for him increase. Because we understand more fully what we have been saved from. Christ died on the cross for us. We are invited into the closest possible relationship with God. But this intimacy must never overshadow the majesty of who God is. Church, as I come to conclude, I am not a singer. I don't think I can sing to save anyone's life, even if I tried. But as I walked on this sermon, I was led to this part. See, John Newton, 
wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And as I studied these scriptures, this, this section in the song came to me, and I think I understood it fully, what John Newton meant. And it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Praise the Lord, church. Last but not least, we have to be God-fearing people. Remember, we cannot deceive God. We cannot hide from Him. Be close, but beware. And lastly, let's be a God-fearing church. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me this opportunity this morning to share with our church. I pray that our hearts can be opened, that if there's parts in our lives that you need to shine that light and expose some darkness in our lives, that we can reconcile this with you. Our peers, our family members may not know, but you know, Father. Please work on our hearts. Please help us be convicted in where we are falling short. Help us to learn from Ananias and Sapphira. Help us to be honest and open people. today thank you that we are alive help us to understand and not take that for granted help us to lead lives that will bring glory unto you and for those who have not received this gift of salvation this freedom in Christ that you can use us to minister to them that we can minister to them and bring the kingdom of God.